There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So I was literally thinking when I woke up this morning for the first time, because today was one of those multiple wake-up mornings. I know you've all had them. I don't have to explain it to you. But it was one of those days for me when I knew that I had not a ridiculous amount of things that had to get done, but Monday's a busy day for me. It's a busy day in terms of things I like to get accomplished right at the start of the week. And so I was prepared when I went to bed last night. I said, okay, tomorrow's going to be this kind of busy day, so get a good night's sleep. You know, this is me talking to myself, okay? And that was the promise that I made myself. And I think I did. I don't remember struggling to fall asleep or stay asleep last night, but I'll tell you when that alarm clock went off at 5.15 this morning, I just wanted to like, uh, I punched the pillow, but I really wanted to just engage in like some hand-to-hand combat. I don't know what was going on. I said, oh, not a good sign. Not a good sign when I start out the day angry because I know as soon as I check the news, I'm going to get really angry. And of course, that's exactly what happened. But I've learned, and we do learn these things. It only took me like almost 70 years to figure this out. But I have learned that sometimes the best thing you can do is just to tick one thing off of your to-do list and go back to bed. Because you're not going to get anything productive done anyway. And you'll be in a lousy mood for the remainder of the day. So that's what I did. I, I, I went back to bed. Not something I do very often, but boy, I'll tell you, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing for you, my listener, that I did that. Because it changed everything. First and foremost, a little more time to be meditative and prayerful. And you can switch the whole day that way, or at least I can. So I got off to a good start. And then I knew I had an appointment that I had to keep. And here's one of these things, you know, that you'll, I'm sure you can relate to this. I messed up the first appointment that I had with this particular client, not really because I had some unforeseen tragic occurrence that you can like kind of excuse, but because everything that could go wrong went wrong that day, car, tire went flat, things that just you can't control, but you also just don't expect to happen in rapid succession. So I wanted today to be a much better day. I certainly didn't want to show up late or anything like that to this meeting. And I didn't, but had I not gone back to bed, had I tried to just keep pushing my way through this morning, all bets are off. I don't know what would have happened, but I would have stayed in that terrible mood. And I'm in a great mood. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm in a great mood because I feel as though I've got things under control. 
I'm not in a great mood because I like what I'm watching. How could anybody like what we're seeing going on right now in our country and around the world? Not to mention, could anybody explain to me what exactly it is, what kind of bush or tree is flowering right now that is causing me to struggle with this congestion? Because I'm not really allergic to that many things. Somebody told me Malaluca, somebody told me oak trees. I didn't even know we had oak trees in Florida. I know that sounds, I guess, silly to most of you, but I don't know. To me, oak trees seem to signify up north. <laughs> so something's booming, and it's not just me. My husband has been struggling with uh, sinusy stuff. A couple of my friends have been. And so that just, uh, that's, that's my medical history, okay? So you can all uh, store that in your file <laughs> and try to bear with me as I interpret the most uninterpretable news every day that we can ever imagine. Today, there was a headline. Now, this is mind-boggling to me. Israel warns, this is the headline. Israel warns Hamas chem weapons. Okay, so is that supposed to be like some big surprise like nobody knew about? Because my, uh, my limited amount of military-style intelligence, and it is limited, I'm not like Dan Bongino who has a lot of connections and a lot of experience with such things. I basically am a reader and consume information. But I wasn't surprised that Hamas has chemical weapons. Actually, I'm more surprised that people are surprised about that. I was reading another headline and it said, and I guess what I'm trying to say is when you read these headlines, are you like me? Do you sit there and go like, what? This headline from the U.S. Sun, or the U.S. edition of the Sun, I guess, says that iron will, Israel's war in Gaza is do or die, says Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. First of all, that's an extremely long headline, but that's what it was. After he vows to cut the head off the snake of Iran. Now, are them fighting words? Yeah, they're fighting words. He made these remarks as the Israeli forces were beginning to step up these airstrikes that they're going to have to conduct in this ground invasion of the Gaza Strip. And while I'm saying those words, like right at this moment, while I'm saying those words, there's such an unbelievable sense of dread and the, everything I'm reading is so fraught with peril that you really wish, I wish, that I could lose myself in like an old episode of The Simpsons or something. I can, I'm just trying to think of something that would be totally meaningless and maybe help me forget for just a couple of minutes what a dire condition we're in, the whole world. So, of course, now you see Hezbollah is opening a second war front against Israel also not surprising. But what does it all mean? Every time I think about the actual size of Israel, the actual land that we're talking about, 
I have to like just slap my head and say, how could this cause these many problems for this long everywhere? It's pretty, pretty powerful, but that's, that's the way of God. He's pretty powerful. There is chosen people. This has been going on for millennium and it's either going to go on for more time or it's going to end rather suddenly and dramatically. Somebody asked me last night, a friend, if I was afraid of World War III. He said, it's pretty irrelevant whether I'm afraid or not. It seems inevitable. Maybe not today, maybe not this year, maybe. Maybe not, or maybe yes. I can't live in a constant state of fear. I have like more immediate pressing problems. How about that? And I know you agree with me. How about you got up this morning and you had the rather difficult decision as to whether or not to read the headlines and the news or ignore them. I don't have that luxury really, but I sure wanted to ignore them and I still want to ignore them, but that's just not going to be possible. So I hope that I add something to your understanding, although I'm quite sure most of my listeners are real smart and they don't really need a lot of breakdown or analysis from the likes of me or, or Dan Bongino or Brian Kilmeade. But what we do is we give like a name to the abject disgrace that's going on in our world today. Disgraceful things to the left of me, to the right of me. And so my job is to make them sort of line up and make, if not sense, be decipherable. I'm not sure if decipherable is actually a word, but you know exactly what I mean. I read a variety of news sources because of the online access that we now have all of us. I can be reading the same story or a story about the same thing from Indochina to South or Latin America to Canada, although, oh, reading Canadian news is really very trying. Or I could be reading a hometown journalist. I could read the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel, or I could read the USA News and World Report, or the Wall Street Journal, or the New York Times, or the, I mean, the list is endless. And I try to consume as much of that information as possible so that when I speak, my opinions are based on the best information I can get. And today was one of those days where the information was so shoddy. I'm reading these articles, like I said, I'll use multiple sources to read the same article or about the same thing. And it's stunning to me how they will use hundreds of words, thousands of words to say something that basically should be said in a tweet. Remember when we were all so concerned, like how are we ever gonna survive on Twitter? You could only have can't even remember how many it was, 14, 28 characters. And I'm thinking, you know, I th my pauses are longer than that. But today, there was so much repetition, so much irrelevant add-ons. I don't even know how to refer to them. You remember when you go to buy a new car and all of a sudden, 
the car that you were thinking about is nothing like the car that they're trying to sell you. Like, I had no idea that a radio is not standard, right? <laughs> so all of this add-on information in the news this morning, I was just trying to get it out of the way and try to figure out what is the story here? What are we talking about? The prime minister warning against Hezbollah? Why were there thousands of words written about that? Let me break it down as simply as possible. Maybe this is my real gift. If I were Hezbollah in Lebanon right now, I'd cut it out. I was actually going to use a much more inflammatory term, but you get my drift. This is not the time for them to be gaming or anybody to sh try and show that they've got their uh, abilities and their capabilities and they're not afraid of anyone. We should all be afraid of everyone. I'm afraid of any person who's in combat taking drugs that literally makes them immune to the reality of the combat. Like people should feel some kind of way when they kill another person. But to look at the zombie-like faces over and over again that I saw again this weekend, all these images, is frightening. And, and to be handed these endless sentences, because I don't know any other way to describe it, endless, endless reporting, which all boils down to the same thing. We're on the verge of a major conflagration in the world. And we are talking about everything but. I mean, we're talking about it, but in all of these just ridiculous, overblown kind of ways. How about this is what happens when the world ignores the fact that there are people today who literally have one purpose, and that's to annihilate the Jewish people, to annihilate the state of Israel. This is not new. This is not surprising. This is just reality. And I keep trying to make sense of it and can't. And I keep praying that there will be some real understanding or recognition on the part of all of the leaders around the world, whether it's China. I mean, I'm watching what China's doing. If I'm Xi Jinping or his military experts, I'm sitting there right now and all I'm thinking to myself is, let's just let this roll. We don't have to do much. We'll go in and take Taiwan and keep it moving. And that's that's not even scary to me anymore. That's just factual. It's not opinion. Obviously, China knows that there's a tremendous amount of weakness in this administration. They know that. I know that. You know that. What's next? See, that's the question. What's next without a speaker, with a presidential election looming that, for the life of me, I'm still day to day trying to figure out, are we really considering for even five seconds 
picking as as the nominee Joe Biden if we're Democrats? And are we really uh, thinking of, of of picking I don't know Vivek Ramaswamy as the opposing nominee? Because that seems mind boggling to me. It really does. These are some serious times, and it's not that they're not serious people. It's just that they're incompetent. They couldn't possibly lead at a time like this. I only know one person who can. Now, obviously, that's, you know, that's my much stated opinion. I don't have to reiterate it over and over again. But boy, every day, I just get sure, more sure, that there's no hope for the whole world. Unless that crazy guy who, uh, uh, well, when we come back from this break, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off something that Dan Bongino said in his program which was excellent this afternoon. And he was talking about some friend of his from childhood. And I know exactly what he meant. And I mean the same thing. So I'm going to kind of try to draw out what I believe is everyone's personal experience. You always knew that one person who was like, you just couldn't be sure if they would behave, (laughs) if they would toe the line, do the right thing, or even just stay out of the way. They were the proverbial loaded gun with no trigger guard. Anyway, don't forget that you can download our app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you could have already downloaded today's new No Restraint podcast and you could be listening to it. Apparently it airs quite frequently on the weekends. I don't really know what all the hours were, but someone had reached out and said, I heard you at seven o'clock or six o'clock on Sunday morning. And I'm like, where did you hear me? (laughs) And then I realized that we do run that No Restraint podcast at some off hours or hours that I wouldn't normally recognize as being the Joyce Kaufman show hours. So it's it's really good to have the app is what I'm getting to. Because that way you don't have to listen on Monday or you don't have to listen at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. You can listen whenever you want to. Once it's been downloaded by my incredible producer, Sharina, it's yours for the taking. So download that app or at least visit our website, 850wftl.com, where you can get in on all the cool contests and, of course, hear everybody's podcast, not just mine. Anyway, let me take a break. I've uh, just kind of gone on and on and on, but I, I'm trying to to bring all of my thoughts into focus, and that's like literally trying to herd cats. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So I I guess, you know, maybe just like everybody else, just trying to make things make a little more sense than they do on the, when you try to be simplistic about it. Dan Bongino was describing some friend of his when he was a kid growing up who was just so unpredictable that nobody messed with him. And he was saying that's pretty much the, I think he called him um, uh, Vince, you know, whatever his friend's name was. And he was talking about how Donald Trump really does have that effect 
on all of the world leaders. And we're not talking about these kinds of world leaders that have summits and are always uh, you know, speaking at the United Nations. We're talking about some of these real rogue guys like Vladimir Putin and uh, Xi Jinping and even the little rocket man out of North Korea. They knew that if they stepped out of line and the line was in a, a line that Donald Trump, in, he managed to put it together. He didn't ask for advisors. As a matter of fact, his advisors will tell you, and I've read a couple of different books by various advisors during the Trump years, not only by the advisors themselves, but by authors who were interviewing lots of the people around Donald Trump during the presidency. And they said that he like just didn't care what the advisors would say. If he felt something was wrong, he acted. If he felt something was right, he acted. Now, on the face of it, that's kind of scary, right? What about the possible aftershock of any of these actions? Well, that's how most presidents operate. They have all of this analysis, and then they sit down and they go, well, if A happens, then B might happen, which could trigger C, which would then result in A. I mean, you know, they go through all of these charts and computer models and all the rest of it. And then Donald Trump would just throw his hands up and go, no, kill him. <laughs> you know, and they knew that. Putin knew that. Xi Jinping knew that. They'd had enough conversations with Donald Trump and you didn't have to have too many to have figured out that like, hey, you don't want to be on the wrong side of the argument with Donald Trump. But the world was safer and it certainly was more peaceful. The, they've, they've just not even been successful at maintaining the few delusions that we still had, right? Look at what's happening to American Jews. I mean, this is not startling to me, but it's so painful to watch. They've been bought, sold, and you know, running for the Democrat Party forever, ever since I've been alive, and now, they have to feel totally abandoned by the left, right? They don't support Israel. They don't support Jews. They don't think there's a difference between an apartheid and what is actually a divided country. Look, nobody on earth really thought it was a good idea to have these Arab countries in the middle of a Jewish country, but they went along with it. And now you see the results. It just doesn't work. Any more than allowing all the people that we have allowed into this country across that southern border, and not just through that southern border, across our northern border, at our seaports, at our airports. We have allowed a lot of people to come into this country. We have no idea why they came. And don't be so simple-minded like the press wants you to be and say, well, they're just seeking a better life. First and foremost, nobody who's born in one place automatically assumes that if they move to another place, their life will be better. There has to be some pretty strong evidence for you to leave everything you know, the language you speak, the, the food you eat, the people 
that you know. And that's exactly what we're expected to believe, that everybody's just coming because they want a better life. No, no. Some people are actually coming because they want to end my better life. I know that. And leaders need to know that. I presume that most of them at least have an idea, an inkling. <laughs> but they should be operating with that foremost in their minds. I'm tired of hearing these numbers of the amount of people that go unchallenged at our southern border. The, and we're not even close to being able to consider how many gotaways, how many people have crossed into this country, across the southern border, for one example, in the last year, who literally would like to bring down the United States of America? My guess, way too many. Far too many. And where are they? I don't know. Nobody knows. They could be in the apartment next to you, across the street from your home. Your kids could be going to school with their kids. And apparently, it's just not that important to the politicians to figure it out. So instead, they talk about the most inane things. If I hear one more person, just all it's going to take is one more person to tell me that it is prejudice or bigotry or racism for me to question the motives of somebody who comes into this country from a country where life is so bad and so brutal that all you can think about from the time you wake up in the morning till you go to bed at night is how do I get out of here? And how do I get maybe my family out of here? These are some horrific scenarios to have to play out in your mind. But if I don't play them out, right, if we don't talk about these things, it's not like they get better on their own. They get worse. What you saw happen in Israel on October 7th could happen here today. And I believe it will happen. Maybe not today. But inevitably, there will be some lone wolf or, you know, all these terms that we use that make no sense to me at all. You can't be that lone and do what was done, paragliding into a music festival, crashing through a fence, which prior to that, most people felt was impenetrable. This is a very, very well thought out plan to bring down civilization. I have no doubt about that. And if Israel's a little Satan, you know who the big Satan is. And if we are, how ridiculous for us to believe that plans are not already in motion. Of course they are. And no, I don't think they win. I read the whole book. I know, I know how it ends. God wins. But boy, there's a lot of suffering that's going to happen first. And a lot of innocent lives that are going to be expended first. And that's a source of tremendous concern, not just for radio talk show hosts and television talk people, but for us, for the family of man, for those of us who live in any particular country or in any sort of uh, half of these countries. We no longer even look like countries. We have no borders. Everything goes. 
We're not sure what our language is. You know, you, you better dare not say that English is our language. Well, I don't know about that. I got into a debate about that last Friday with someone who said English is not the language of America. And all I could do was like almost cry because they really believed that. And I was trying to argue that every land, every country needs to have a language, needs to have a currency, needs to have borders, boundaries, needs to have a standing military. This is stuff I learned in the third grade. And I talked to adults who seemed clueless. And of course, the best example of that is when my American Jewish friends look at me and tell me how they feel abandoned. Really? You didn't see this coming? I find that hard to believe. But of course, I have no choice but to believe them. Anyway, let me take a break. I got a lot more to talk about and a, a lot of things just simmering, just below the surface, as they say, that I hope to get to today. Stay right where you are. It's going to be a bumpy ride. So over the last uh, couple of weeks, I've been out doing a lot more events, more than I really like doing. People know that in spite of my very public persona, I'm a very private person. And I always get to observe other people who, like me, are in the public eye but are pretty private. And Brandon Straka is one of those people. He, of course, is the founder of the Walkaway Foundation, a man who was unrightfully or unjustly, whatever the appropriate terminology is, arrested on January 6th and actually punished for being a patriot. And he's got a big event. The fifth anniversary of Walkaway Foundation is coming up here in Palm Beach. And so I've asked Brandon to please come on and tell us a little bit about them. How, how you doing, Brandon? Hey there, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, listen, I, I've I've seen you. We've been sitting in the front row at a couple of events in the last couple of weeks. And I, I, I know that, like me, you find yourself thrust in the public light because of something you believe, but it's not the most comfortable place for me to be. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, I've never, you know, I, I don't have a problem being in the public eye. I'm not a very shy person, and I, you know, uh, I've taken pretty well to being, you know, doing the cable news interviews and, and being a public personality. Uh, but there's definitely a dark side to that or, you know, a downside to that, which is that you become a target. The bigger you become and the more successful you become at what you're doing. And in my case, what I'm doing is convincing people to walk away from the Democratic Party and leave the political left. You know, I started this movement five years ago. And over five years, we grew to over 511,000 people who joined and tens of thousands of people who created their video testimonials and their written testimonials about leaving the Democratic Party. And by the time we got to January 6, 2021, um, you know, I, I think I had a rather large target on my back from the political left, and that gave them the excuse they needed to come after me. Yeah, and come after you they have. And that, to me is what helps to mobilize other people who really uh, probably wanted to walk away a long time ago. I mean, 
I happen to be Hispanic. I was born and raised in New York City. It was a typical, you know, yellow dog Democrat household. The last thing anybody ever expected from me was that I was a conservative. So when it happened, boy, did I take the slings and arrows. You're, um, you, you described yourself, how would you describe yourself to the audience? Well, you know, I was a lifelong Democrat. I, I was a two-time Obama voter. I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. And my story about walking away really began after Donald Trump got elected, which was a huge shock and upset to me and I think millions of people. And it sent me on a journey of research to try to understand how he got elected and how the media that I trusted had gotten it so wrong. You know, because up until that point, I was very devoted uh, to CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, that, you know, the left wing media that was constantly telling us that Donald Trump was a racist and a bigot and a, a homophobe and that he, he had a three percent chance of getting elected and that this was Hillary Clinton's time. And so when nothing turned out the way that we had expected, uh, I, I was com not only confused and, and shocked and outraged, but I was also scared. I was very scared of what I thought that this meant. And so I went on a journey to try to understand, you know, what had happened. And what I ultimately realized after several months was that it wasn't Donald Trump that was my enemy. It was the media that I'd been trusting my entire life that was my enemy. And, um, and not just that they were, you know, dishonest and divisive and, and duplicitous, but also that if you are if you are a minority in this country, you know, you mentioned a moment ago you're Hispanic, you know, whether you're black or Hispanic or or LGBT or an immigrant or a woman, the left wing media and the Democrats that push these narratives uh, are telling us these stories through the filter of basically anything that that scares us and makes mm -hmm. us believe that we're existing in a racist country or a country that's rigged to oppress minorities and that we don't have a fair shot and that the Republican Party is out to get us and that Donald Trump is out to get us. And when I realized that overwhelmingly that was a lie mm -hmm. and that that was not only a lie, but a lie designed to manipulate my thinking and control the way I feel and control the way I think and control the way that ultimately I vote, that's when I became really outraged and I decided to speak out about it and I decided to create an organization basically telling all people, but with a specific focus on minority communities, that I want people to start thinking for themselves. I want people to start doing their own homework and doing their own research. I want people to walk away from the Democratic Party because they are manipulating and controlling all of us in a way that's incredibly destructive. Exactly. And not uh, and instead of lifting up these communities, my feeling is that they've kept us down all this time and that they've been you know, just so sure of our votes that they thought they could do that. And uh, the days, you know, have changed. Time has changed. And I remember when I first heard about you five years ago, thinking to myself, this guy's going to get a target painted on his back. I hope he can stand it. And I was right, but you have withstood it. So I'm I'm super proud to, you know, support Walkaway Foundation. And there's a big event, the Walkacon, which is a fifth anniversary. I can't believe it's five years already. Five years. Crazy, huh? And you're yeah. having a big event down here in Palm Beach. Tell us a little bit about who's going to be there for the celebration. 
Yeah, so it's a three-day celebration, and uh, it's a little of everything. We're actually doing six events in three days, which I know sounds like a lot, but you know, we're basically kind of doing a little bit of everything for everyone. So Friday, November 10th, is our big night. That's, if anyone can only come to one event, that's the one they're going to want to come to because we're going to have a pretty extravagant stage show, and this stage show includes... Laura Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Carrie Lake, Matt and Mercedes Schlapp, Tudor Dixon, David Harris Jr., Dr. Gina Loudon, Shamika Michelle, Katie Hopkins, and so many more. Um, basically, what we're doing is, you know, people who have been really supportive of, of the walkaway movement over the last five years, including being supportive even after the trouble came after January 6th, you know, because a lot of people will support you in the good times. Uh, and then not everyone supports you in the bad times, right. but a lot of these, all of these people at the event did support us uh, through thick and thin. Uh, but another thing that we're doing that's really cool is besides it just being, you know, like a typical conservative you know, conference or stage show, we're including real people and their real stories about why they're walking away from the Democratic Party stage on Friday night are going to be all those amazing people, but then interspersed throughout, we're going to have real people come out and share why they're walking away and kind of do a tribute to all of the amazing things Walkaway has done over the last five years, which includes college campus tours, minority town halls, debates. I mean, we've done well over 100 events in the last five years, which is nuts, but it's true. Yeah. And then uh, for the rest of the weekend on Saturday, we're doing a Patriot rally outdoors. Saturday night, we're doing a comedy event where we're going to have conservative and walkaway comedians uh, roasting me. Actually, it's the roast of Brandon Strock, but it's going to be a fun comedy event. Sunday, we're doing a brunch where Carrie Lake will be our keynote speaker, and she'll be there signing books and uh, taking pictures and giving a, a talk during the brunch. And then we're going to close the whole weekend out. Right after brunch, we'll have a panel discussion with real January 6th defendants sharing their stories about uh, what, what you know, they actually witnessed on January 6th and what was done to them by the FBI and the DOJ. So it, it's, a, it's a big weekend, yeah. but it's going to be a very inspirational and educational and uplifting and also a lot of fun. And we just want everyone to come out and support it. And that's what we need now. We need some, you know, some way to come together and support one another because, I mean, you were wrongfully arrested. You got sentenced to what, probation for, uh, I don't even remember, oh, what well, was the charge? I spent time in jail, yeah. and then after I spent time in jail, I was sentenced to three months of house arrest. Mm -hmm. So I put, the government put an ankle tracking monitor on my ankle, and I wasn't allowed to leave my home for three months like, in an apartment. I live in an apartment. I wasn't allowed to go outside the door of my apartment for three months. Um, and then they put me on three years of federal probation. And that's in addition to community service and fines and fees. And I mean, it's been yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And yeah. for anyone you know listening who might be going, well, what did you do? Uh, great question. I, I would love to know the answer to that myself. I didn't enter the Capitol on January 6th. I never went inside. I didn't engage in any violence or any vandalism or destruction. In fact, I didn't even witness any violence or vandalism or destruction. But I was out on the Capitol grounds, and I shot a video, and they say that I entered into a restricted area. And for that reason, the FBI raided my home, picked me up and put me in jail, and charged me with two felonies and a misdemeanor. 
And then I ended up taking a misdemeanor plea deal because I didn't want to take on the government. Yeah, a nightmare. But but again, these kinds of things will either make you stronger or they'll break you. In Brandon's case, they made him stronger. And this is going to be a celebration. And for more information on how they get involved, I guess they just go to the website, right? The Walk Away Movement website? Well, so what I would tell people is, you know, if they, if anyone is in Southern Florida, this, this weekend that we're talking about is in West Palm Beach. It's at the Palm Beach Hilton Airport location. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know that because it's uh, where they do the big Club 47 meetings, things like right. that. So this will be November 10th through the 12th. But like I said, I highly encourage everyone to come to the Friday, November 10th event. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can go to walkawayanniversary.com to get tickets or more information. That's walkawayanniversary.com. And we are offering a special promo code until Friday for any of your listeners. If they use the promo code FAY, and that's F-A-Y, FAY, they'll get 50% off half-price tickets between now and Friday. And it's already very affordable. Uh, They're going to get to see all of those amazing speakers, but uh, and it's only $75, but at half-price, it'll be $37 uh, to see all of those speakers on Friday. So walkawayanniversary.com and use promo code FAY, F-A-Y. I'll be there, Brandon. Thanks so much for everything that you're doing and just keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see you. Amen. Talk to you then. All right, and that's, uh, I'm going. You should go. It's going to be a big party. We need a party right about now. Let me take a break, and then we come back. We'll wrap up today's program, of course, followed by Eric Erickson and all of the overnight guys. Just stay right where you are. All right, and uh, I I ran out of time. I took a lot of time with Brandon, but that's okay. Everybody should get involved in this walk-away event. I also wanted to say there's some stuff coming down in Pompano where a cemetery, I've mentioned this before, but I'm really going to talk about it tomorrow, where they're trying to literally stop a cemetery from being a cemetery. And there's an aspect to this story that's so despicable, but I'm going to cover it because first and foremost, it's my background. It's my you know backyard. And second, it, somebody needs to talk about it. Anyway, thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.